Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. I want to just throw a little thought out to you as we get started this morning. Have you ever noticed that God is never stressed? Jesus was never stressed. Have you ever wondered why? Well, there's a lot of reasons, of course, because of his sovereign power and authority and his omnipotence and his omniscience. And yes, all of that, I agree completely. But he also always has a plan. He always has a plan. I remember when I started teaching Shasha to drive, how nervous I was because I was not in control. I was not making the plan. I was riding along, and she was driving, and how nervous I was as I always kept my left hand on the handbrake ready to stop the car at any time. I was out of control. Many of you, the reason you're stressed is you feel out of control. You don't have a plan. This thing has been a surprise for everybody. It has interrupted everybody's life, but it did not interrupt God, and it did not surprise God. God has a plan for your life. I want, to, I want us to pray this morning because now most of our families are fine, please. God has been good to you. You have reserves. You have your home. You have your condo. You have income coming in. You're fine. But many of our families are not fine right now. Many of our families are really struggling. No work, no pay. Where are we going to get money for food? How am I going to feed my children? Please, I want you to, and please do not take this the wrong way. No way do I speak this in any way critically. We have all lived in those days. Probably for well over 20 years of my life, I lived hand to mouth with no money in the bank. I understand those days. But I also understand that God has a plan. This did not catch God by surprise. But what you need to do is discover the plan that God has to provide for your family. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask that you show each of my brothers how to feed their family. That you would show them, Father, little things that they can do. For every one of my sisters, Lord, show them a plan. Talents and abilities that you have put within their lives that maybe they don't even look at and recognize and maybe abilities that they don't even value, but you have placed those abilities there. Father, you have a plan for provision for every family, a plan where people can work and you can bless the work of their hands. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, take the fear out of every mother and father. Take the tension and stress out of every mother and father as you show them how to feed their children over the next few weeks. I thank you for it, Father. Bo Oh, in Jesus' name, show them. Show them exactly how to care for their families, Lord. How to provide for their families. Open doors that no man can shut. Show them things to do. Create opportunities. Bring relationships together. Father, I thank you that you shall meet the need of every family according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. That not just the, the working class among us, Father, but Father, those among us that are just beginning, they're just beginning on the road to an abundant life. Father, let them see you. 
Let them see the faithfulness of their God. Let them see your provision. Father, we don't want to just survive this. We want to thrive through this. We don't want to just survive, Lord. We want to walk through this in abundance in Jesus' name. Thank you for your healing. Let every cough be healed. Let every fever be healed. Father, every little thing to every big thing, just let there be a wave of healing come across the families this morning as we pray in Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus, reach down and put your hand upon every member, every Lolo, every Lola, every child, Father, whether it's just the sniffles or whether there's kidney problems or heart problems. Let your healing and let your strength flow into their bodies. Father, I pray especially for those that are seniors and they've had heart problems. Your word says that you are the strength of their heart. Lord, I thank you that those hearts will be strong and those lungs will be strong in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the immune system that you've given to each of us. We have been fearfully and wonderfully made. God, let every immune system just kick into overdrive and be strong in Jesus' name. This thing shall not come near us. It shall not stick to us. We've been redeemed from it. In Jesus' name, amen. My friends, there is a plan. This is why I keep talking to you about, are you on schedule? <laughs> are you keeping in step with the Spirit? God has relationships. God has opportunities. God has open doors. Now, the open door is not going to just unlock itself. You have to walk up and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You've got to knock on a door to see if that door is open or not. You've got to position yourself in front of it. So you can't just lay around and watch Eat Bulaga. You've got to make some phone calls. You've got to talk to some people. You've got to sit down and work out a plan. You've got to knock on that door. All right, let's stand with me and let's open up our hearts and worship the Lord this morning.
There are a few things that I enjoy more than reading my Bible and worship, but having a good Bible to read, because the Bible becomes like a really, really close friend. So having a good Bible that can stay with you, what I call lifetime Bibles. I, I have Bibles from my grandfather from 1914. If you get a good Bible, that's what they call Smith-sewn. It's not just glued together, it's sewn properly together with a good goatskin cover. These things last forever. Now, this is one of my favorites. This is an R.L. Allen um, New Living Translation. It kind of folds up like this, and it's just very easy to open up. This is a tremendous Bible for reading. Let me read you Psalms chapter 91 this morning from the New Living. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust in him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from the deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers, and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. What is your armor and your protection? His faithful promises. Verse 5, do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies by in the day, nor dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand may fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up in their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. Did you hear that promise? I will be with them in trouble. Some of you right now, please, you're in trouble. You're, you're trying to figure out how to feed the family. You're in trouble. He didn't say he's going to abandon you in this time. Oh, beloved, I, I know most of you, you're, you're well taken care of and God has been good to you. But for those of you that are in trouble, hear me today. God promised, I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with long life and give them my salvation. Those are the promises of your God. Ah. Some of you just need to sit down with the kids today and let them learn to start reciting Psalms 91 from memory. Just choose a translation. Now, don't mix them up and make them memorize in four translations, but just choose a translation, NIV, NLT, ESV, and let them memorize it. And every day have the children stand in front of everybody and quote another portion of it until they've got the whole thing together. It'll keep them occupied and it will get the word in their hearts so they're not afraid because they see everything going around. Kids are smart. They feel the tension in the house. Kids are smart. Get some faith in them in Jesus' name. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. All right, let's get back into our New Testament reading today. We really have one parable to read today, 
and, and that's it in our reading. It's one of the most famous parables in the Bible. It's the parable of the prodigal son. Beginning with verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. And he said, there was a man can be going good and then a coronavirus hits. I mean, please remember the economy in January and February. Our families were more blessed than they had ever been. Jobs were booming. Real estate was booming. Uh, unemployment was coming down. Factories were coming back into the country. BPOs. I mean, ah, money was flowing like a river. And now we're in April and the whole economy is shut down. See, young people, and please, young people, this is not a criticism. This is just a statement of reality. Young people have not had enough experience yet to understand that there are changes that happen in life. And this boy did not understand that, you know what? Changes happen. And when you squander everything you have, then when the changes happen, you have no reserves. You, you, you have nothing. Now, please forgive me, but application a little bit. Some of you young professionals, you spend everything that comes in your paycheck every every two weeks. You're making more money than your parents ever dreamed of making every two weeks. And, and it goes to foodie adventures. It goes to gadgets. It goes to, you know, 10,000 peso tennis shoes. It goes to. And, and please forgive me. Now, hard times hit. And you're going back and asking mom and dad for money when you should be there helping mom and dad. Ouch, sorry. Now, again, I don't say this critically, and I don't say this in any kind of condemnation. But sometimes in youth, you don't think about the future, and you don't think about the fact that things change. You are learning one of the greatest lessons of your life right now, that things change. Some of you were wondering when we started on the building program, why I wanted to put together the building program in a way that it didn't matter what happened. We could stop and start at any point in time. Well, I learned the hard way as a young pastor. Man, everything can be going great, and then boom, the bottom fall out. Life changes. So you have to have reserves. You, you have to be prepared. This young man, again, no concept of it. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Now notice, he'd grown up working for his dad, but he'd never been trained in how to do anything well. <laughs> All he was qualified to do was feed pigs. Now, now, again, young people, you're growing up in a generation where our families have been blessed, but you have to learn how to do things. My father taught me as a young boy when I was sent to live with him when I was 14. Every man needs to know how to make a living two ways. You know how to make a living with your head, and you know how to make a living with your hands. So my father taught me how to work on cars. I could strip engines. I could put car engines back together again. I could figure out how to repair just about anything, even without a manual. My, my father taught me not just how to take things apart and put them together, but he taught me the logic of machinery. He said, David, you have to understand how to make a living with more than just your head. You're really smart. But sometimes in this world, things change, and you have to know how to make a living with your hands. This boy had never learned how to make a living with his hands. All he was qualified to do was feed pigs. And anybody who's ever fed pigs knows that, that is not a job for an intellectual genius. That is, you throw food and they eat it. 
and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, now, what brought him back to reality? What brought the young man back to reality when no one gave him anything? You see, what breaks, what breaks entitlement mentality is when you find out nobody's going to give you anything. When you find out nobody's going to even give you the same food that they feed their pigs. When you find out that there is no free ride in life. When you discover that, it's amazing how you come to your senses. It's like, boom, a light switch turns. And right now in this crisis, some of you young professionals, you are having a, an epiphany. You, you are having a light bulb moment. And you're realizing nobody's going to give you anything. There is no free ride in life. When that entitlement attitude is broken, that's when repentance begins to step in. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? He said, you know, my dad's generous. I disrespected my father so much. I took everything and walked away. I didn't think he was very clever. I thought I knew better than my daddy. He said, you know what? Now that I've been out here in the real world, I find out that my father is a good man. My father was a generous man. My, my father never treated his hired servants like, like I'm being treated. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But, if I, but here I perish in hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Now notice, he knew his father was fair. Notice, when repentance begins, relationship changes. Well, really not relationship. When repentance begins, your attitude toward relationships change. You think differently about people. But notice what real repentance was. There was no desire for self-justification. There was no desire to make any excuses. Just, you know what? I'm wrong. Just that simple. I'm wrong. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against my father. I'm wrong. There was no desire for self-justification. There was no desire for excuses. But he also recognized the goodness of his father. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Now, that's a statement in itself. That was a long journey leaving. And on the way out, he had lots of money, and he ate the finest foods and wore the finest clothes and had lots of friends because money always has a crowd. On the way back, he's all alone. <laughs> he's not wearing any nice clothes. He's not wearing nice shoes. He may be barefoot by now. If he has, if he has shoes at all, they're completely worn out. The journey back is very lonely. And sometimes when you watch a prodigal come home, you've got to realize you've got to let him come back. They've got to walk back the same path they walked out, only this time they come back with a different attitude. And it's, it's much more difficult. The journey back is harder. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran him, and embraced him and kissed him. I like that. Now, the father didn't chase the boy. The father didn't chase the boy into the foreign countries. 
The father didn't go find the boy when the famine came and said, oh, my boy might be in trouble. I'm going to go help him. The father waited patiently at home. But when the boy came home, when the boy made the effort to come to him, then the father ran to greet him, embraced him, kissed him, had compassion on him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. He said, my boy, look, look at how he's dressed. But bring, bring the best, best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. He's back part of the family. Shoes on his feet. In other words, this boy didn't have any shoes. He's barefoot by now. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now notice, the father is not celebrating anything except the restoration of relationship. He's not calling the boy's friends all together and his old classmates together. He, it's the family rejoicing that the son has come home. Now, the older brother was in the field and he came and drew near to the house and heard the music and the dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said, your, father ha your, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because, because he received him back safe and sound but he was angry and refused to go in but the father came out and entreated him dad wants the family together and young people and please forgive me sometimes you and your brother and sisters you quarrel like uh, like brothers and sisters mom and dad are always going to want you to be together the father was angry or he was angry and refused to go out his father came out and entreated him but he answered his father look these many years i have served you and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes, notice, not my brother, your son, I don't accept him. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now he's found. Now I want you to notice several things in this passage. First of all, I want you to notice that when the son came back, he was not restored to position. He was only restored to relationship. He's restored to relationship. This is son. This is brother. But he said, all that is mine is yours. The boy does not get more inheritance. He's, now, you have to put yourself in the position of the older brother. Everybody criticizes the older brother, but just be steady. He'd been faithful to serve his father. When the younger brother destroyed the family business and took his share and left and squandered it on prostitutes and wild living, the brother was there to sacrifice. There was no money for parties. There was no money for celebration. There was no money for relaxing. He had to struggle and rebuild the family business that the brother had taken all that capital out of and destroyed. And the father said, son, all that I have is yours. Now, if you really want to destroy a family, just look at the older brother and say, son, 
you're going to have to learn to share with your brother again. No, no, no. He already had his. We stood here and we 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 sacrificed and we rebuilt everything. Why should he get more? No, the, the son the son came back as a hired servant. He came back on salary. He did not come back with any inheritance and any share of the assets. A restoration of relationship, but not a restoration of position. A restoration of relationship, not a restoration of position. A restoration of relationship, not a restoration of position. Now, parents, we are are soft in our hearts with our children. But we have to understand fairness in our hearts toward all of our children. When we have children that have wasted everything that the family has and caused the family to have hard times and really sacrifice, they don't come back in and act like nothing happened. When, when they've taken their portion and gone off and done their thing, and then the family business has gone down because there's not enough, there's not enough cash to, to, to do things. Maybe that son took off with the cash and now, you know, all that's left is assets. Well, you can't run a business just with assets. You know, some some families, they're asset rich and cash poor because one of the children has wasted all the cash. You, you can't let them come back in and act like nothing has happened. Yes, they're part of the family. Yes, family relationships are restored, but not positions in the business, not positions of inheritance. Now, there's tremendous truth there. Spiritually, when a, a preacher turns away from God, there is a restoration of relationship, but not a restoration of position. You can't just come back and act like nothing happened. There are consequences for actions. Yes, there is forgiveness. Yes, there is restoration of relationship. Yes, there is a flow of mercy. Yes, there is a flow of grace. But no, there is not a restoration of position. Things have changed. Others have cleaned up the mess. Others have paid the price. And thing, it should not be taken away from them to give back to the prodigal who's coming back home now and asking for a handout. No, restore them to relationship, but never to position. Now, there's some great truth to get a hold of today. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Thank you, Pastor Cecil and the team. Now, please let me explain to you the praise and worship. I was very concerned as we started on all this a few weeks ago that people would think that we're breaking quarantine and having services and, you know, we'd get people upset with us. So, you know, I've told them, please make sure you say pre-recorded and use the smaller services so it doesn't look crowded so that nobody thinks that we're doing anything wrong and still say pre-recorded. Well, you know, they're running out of the smaller services, so you're gonna see the fuller services and please understand we're not having services, but also we're, we're starting to use some of the things that Pastor Cecil and the team did for the Hawaii Branch Church. When they didn't have any music, Pastor Cecil and the team put together some pre, pre-recorded music things for the church in Hawaii to use. So we don't need to do that right now, but we've got these things still on record and we're gonna be using some of those for the next few days also. And again, we're trying to make sure that we don't stumble anybody and make people have attitudes. Joshua chapter four, beginning with verse one. Remember folks, people's preconceptions are more important than truth, at least in their own minds. There's just something to throw in there today. Joshua chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. We're going to go through, oh, chapter 6 today. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel,